Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 202 of the Mandolin's Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you by Acoustic Disc, where you can get all this incredible music that David Grisman is currently going through and adding more to every month and it's it's such a wide variety of music too the best way to sample the music is just go to an acoustic disc and sign up for the email list and they'll send you a free song every week it's called the treat of the week it's free and it happens every thursday i believe so go sign up for that while you're there check out acoustic encounters that is the podcast that dog and danny barnes do once a month as well so good stuff Hope everybody's doing well. I got six gigs this weekend, five gigs this weekend. And next Friday, I have my Tom Petty tribute band is playing its final show this year at the Charleston Poorhouse. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there or not. If you're going to be in town, uh, that's a that's a great place to see live music. It's an honor to play there. We're just our second time there in, I think, two months. The last time was a blast. So if you're in Charleston, be sure to reach out. I've had a few people actually in the last couple weeks message me that they were on vacation down here. So it's been nice to meet a few people. And yeah, it's been a good time. Hope everybody else is is doing good as well. Uh, If you're listening today, it's November 3rd and it is Bandcamp Friday. That means everything you buy at Bandcamp, the artist gets all of the money. Bandcamp does not take a cut. So this is the perfect time to go out and get some of your favorite artists. There's a lot of new releases coming too. You can also pre-order on Bandcamp, I believe. So if there's something you know is coming out, Maybe head over to that Bandcamp page and check it out and see if there's a way you can pre-save it or pre-buy it. That way they get all the money ahead of time. I know next week I'm talking to Brian Oberlin from Full Court Bluegrass. That's going to be great. They have a brand new album coming out next week. That is incredible. Today, Ethan Satiwan, the album comes out today from his duo, Hildeland. It's fantastic as well. Uh, there's just so much good music that's been coming out this year. It's kind of kind of staggering. And also at Bandcamp, I posted about this yesterday, Mr. Sun is the king of putting out cool merch. They uh, they have the Nutcracker Suite. Mr. Sun plays Duke Ellington, plays the Nutcracker Suite, or something along those lines. And they have Mr. Sun tree ornament nutcrackers that look like the guys in the band. They're incredible. I don't know how many they have, but I would go to Bandcamp today and make sure they get all the money. And it's only 25 bucks for the four of them. So be sure to get those. Those guys are great. They have the earplugs, the Mr. Sun blockers. They are ahead of the curve. And again, just a, a friendly PSA if you got the $10 or $15 floating around, go out and buy that artist's album. Even if you're never going to download it and put it on your phone or on your computer, uh, this is such a tough industry. Every week, I swear, I'm reading a new article about how venues are taking more money of merchandise, how tours are barely making enough money to get by. And, you know, if you know an artist only has, let's say they have 1,000 followers, on on Instagram and and every one of those followers just bought the one album they put out every two years. That's ten thousand dollars to the artist. That is so much money, and honestly, that money is really unexpected to the artist because you know putting putting albums out, you know, there's really no guarantee anybody's going to buy it. It really has become a labor of love. So if there's something out there you've been listening to, I just highly implore you to go and support your favorite artists. Speaking of supporting artists, don't forget Jake Jolliffe next weekend has that great mandolin intensive Zoom camp coming up. So be sure to go there. I'll have a link below where you can go sign up for that as well. All right, let's get into the ads this week real quick here. Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. Peghead Nation features a great lineup of mandolin instructors. 
such as Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, Chad Manning, Ian Corey. You want to learn theory? You can do it there. Beginner Bluegrass? You can do it there. Jazz? Cheryl, you can do it all there. And you can join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now. And you get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones from Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. You can check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins, designed and built in Austin, Texas. Tone Slabs, go get yourself a slab of tone. I love my Tone Slab pick. You can get one, too. Just go to toneslabs.com. You can pick the size, the shape, the bevel. Put something on the pick, like a design. It's incredible. So go to Tone Slabs now and get yourself a slab of tone. Also, don't forget to go to Stringjoy. Use that promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. That's all one word, all lowercase. They just came out with mandolin strings in July. Lots of people have been really, really loving them. If you've never liked coated strings because of the feel, like myself, these don't feel like any coated string I've ever played, and they last a very long time and hold that tone. So Stringjoy. Use that promo code once again, MANDOLINBEER, all one word at checkout, all lowercase. And Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and our down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 51st year. They're award-winning. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime or do it daily like I do at elderly.com. All right, let's get into this episode with my buddy Ethan Satiwan. Everybody have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody. to welcome back to the podcast for his third visit, I do believe, Ethan Satiawan. Ethan, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Great to uh, see you at IBMA. Yeah, you as well. Fun to, fun to hang a little bit. Yeah, and, and you were, dude, you are so busy. I mean, how many projects did you play with at IBMA? <laughs> IBMA was just the one project, uh, but I also ran sound for a night um, in one of the rooms and uh, was just generally hanging around and, and having, a, having a blast, of course. Which room were you doing sound in? I was helping out the Mile 12 folks in the BBU room. Yeah, that was one of the ones uh, that actually sounded yeah. good, by the way. I'll give you, I didn't want <laughs> to say the wrong room and then be like, oops, because there were a couple of rooms where the sound guys should have been. Uh, well, they, I don't think they were sound guys. There's no way. <laughs> sure. Yeah, totally. So. No, it was fun. Fun to hang. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
Well, uh, the reason why we're talking today is you got a brand new album coming out, and actually, it's coming out when uh, on November third when this is actually airing, and it's in another project yeah. that you have. The brand, the band's called Hildeland, and the uh, album is called Soul Scary. Yeah, yeah. Hildeland is is this duo with me and Louise Bicken, uh, fiddle player who I play with quite a bit. Um, and yeah, we're sort of exploring sort of the more it kind of runs a gamut, but it's it's a lot of sort of Celtic-inspired music as well as sort of Scandinavian-inspired stuff, and then with a good dash of sort of old-time and, and contemporary acoustic music and jazz thrown in there as well. But Louise is from uh, Scotland, from the islands of Orkney, and so she's got a great background in, in playing all these tunes. And it's really fun for me just to get to mess them up a little bit with some funny chords here and there. <laughs> <laughs> and you recorded this at home? Yeah, I did this in my house. Yeah, I did it all at at, at home um, over the course about a year, I guess. Kind of worked in it for a lot of last year, um, 2022. So, yeah, I've I've been engineering. I've engineered quite a bit recently. Uh, and, yeah, it's fun to do. I like doing it. And it gives us some flexibility with recording and not being locked into a studio schedule. And the ability to spread it out over a period of months even is really kind of cool, too. So we don't have to, there's not the sort of the pressure to have an entire set of music worked up to go into the studio for a week and get it all done really quickly and all that stuff. What's your home setup look like? Um, do you want to get really nerdy with this? Yeah, or man. just a little bit? Yeah, okay, well, it's great. up to you. It depends on how nerdy you want to get. I'm always enthralled. Well, the, the reason why I ask is because uh, it sounds so good. And Oh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people listening, if they have any like want to home record, um, you know, it's pretty intimidating sometimes. But it's the fact that somebody can make something that sounds so good uh, at home. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, you've been working at stuff. It wasn't just, oh, I just put some mics up. But it sounds incredible. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I, I have this Motu interface uh, on the kind of the gear side, so I use that, and and um, I think we just use kind of the built-in preamps on this interface for most of it. But kind of for the recording sort of techniques and stuff, I've been interested in sort of like classical recording for the last little while, and in trying to capture a group of musicians as they are naturally, as opposed to sort of the more bluegrass or the more recent bluegrass way of doing it where everyone's sort of in isolation with headphones and everything. So what I've been trying to do is have everyone in one room really close together. And there are ways to use microphones where you don't get much bleed at all. And you also might rely a lot on room microphones to kind of give you a picture of the whole ensemble and then use spot mics a little more sparingly than some and, and bring sort of the spotlights are just to highlight individual instruments and, and solos and stuff stuff like that. So we had, we did it a couple different ways. There are some tracks that were recorded more in isolation and then some tracks that were recorded more in the same room. Yeah, that was kind of the thing. I, I mixed it and then sent it to my buddy Peter, Peter Atkinson, who's a great recording engineer and mixing engineer, and, and he mastered it. That sounds killer, dude. And it's like, how many mics at one time, if you were like doing, say, like the room mic setup with some spot mics, how many mics would you be running at that point? Um, so if it's just duo, uh, me and Louise say in a room, um, I would have either two or three room mics. There, I've been playing around with two different things. One is a mid-side setup where you have a ribbon mic, actually, which doesn't face 
the musicians, the ribbon mic, the ribbon mic picks up sound in a figure eight pattern. So, so the figure eight is actually sort of facing the musicians, if that makes sense. Then there's there's a cardioid uh, condenser microphone usually pointing straight at the band. And with a ribbon microphone, if you duplicate that track after you're done recording, duplicate the file and pan pan one side hard left, one side hard right, and then invert the phase on one, you get this really cool effect where you get to see sort of the whole you get this really broad stereo image. And then the center mic is kind of the focus. Uh, that'll be the, the mid of the mid-side equation. And then the other, the other sort of idea that I've been working with is sort of a left-right-center kind of pattern. Three omni condensers usually. Omni picks up in a really wide pattern, so it's good for sort of these room things. And then kind of the thing with the... With there's sort of two th schools of thought on, on the spot mics, I guess. One school of thought is have as few microphones in the room as possible because with the more microphones you have, the more sort of phases you start to deal with. Phases where sound from one instrument hits two microphones at a different time, uh, resulting in like some cancellation of the sound, with the recorded sound. So we try to deal with as little of that as possible. So one, one school of thought is to have fewer microphones in the room the other school of thought is to have more microphones in the room, but get them closer to the instruments uh, and and have them gained up less, have them be less sensitive, so to speak. And so they don't pick up as much of the other instruments. And I tend to go with fewer microphones for the most part. A, one good microphone in the right spot is usually all you need. Yeah, that's inspiring. Because, I, I, you know, I'm always monkeying around with, like, demos here at my house. And yeah. it's just like... You know, you can buy all the best microphones if you wanted to, but it doesn't matter if you don't put some thought and experiment with sound things. So I always love to uh, pick people's brains. And, and I think there are people out there that do plenty of home recording. And anytime you can totally. get it to sound better is always great. Totally. Yeah. Any tricks that can be used. I'm always looking for those myself. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. What's so now you guys play in Corner House together. What mm -hmm. is it that makes the songs that are on this album something that you didn't necessarily want to bring to Corner House. I don't want to say that in a negative way, just obviously when you're yeah. working on projects, you, you have different ideas for different things. What was it for you to make this album? Totally. Well, so one of the big differences is that there are fewer songs on this record. So, like, you know, there are more tunes, tunes being songs without words. Uh, that's kind of how I speak about these things. Tunes are just melodies, you know, fiddle tunes and, and such. And then songs have words. So there's less songs. Louise is actually, you know, <laughs> I don't really like singing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay at it. I don't do a lot of it. And, and it's not really my favorite thing to do. Louise, on the other hand, actually likes to sing. So, you know, she's singing some songs on this record. And, and I got conned into singing a song somehow. You have a very, you have a very endearing voice, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think. It's fun sometimes. I, I sometimes enjoy it, but usually I'd rather just play the mandolin. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kind of the net result of all that is that there are just less songs in our set and, and in our recordings than Corner House, just on, on average. So that's kind of one big difference, that there's more tunes than songs uh, proportionally. And yeah, I think just kind of going back, this is like Corner House has a lot of Celtic influence, of course, as well. 
but but this is kind of where I really get to explore like backing styles in Celtic music and, and like how to really make it make that stuff work in, in sort of this duo context. I play a lot of octave mandolin as well as the regular mandolin, which which is really helpful for kind of, you know, backing up a, a fiddle, getting down below it in range. And 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 yeah, you know, there's it's it's a little with with bands it can be it, it can the waters can sometimes get muddy on sort of the artistic voice with the duo it can be a lot clearer sometimes and and so it's like a very distinctive it's like a very singular sound if you know what i mean it, it kind of it, it's uh it's pretty clear as to what we're doing i think yeah well you know my very first note on this piece of paper to my left here literally says accompaniment right from the first track tune for alice which is an original tune you don't play just boring backup whatsoever <laughs> so I, I you know i'd love to talk about uh how you approached backing some of the songs the way you did on this album Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess, I guess in the duo context, each instrument has more weight than in a four piece because it's proportionally more of the sound, right? Each instrument in a duo is 50% of the sound of the band. So with that in mind, I'm always sort of starting from smaller places than I would with, with a, with a, a full or a larger band. Yeah, Tune for Ellis, kind of starting with this, like trying to have like a sort of like make a little thing, you know, have this little rhythmic figure that repeats and, and builds throughout a couple times around the tune and, and eventually, you know, kind of working my way into playing full chords. And then speaking of, there's some some great original tunes on here, um, uh, Wheezy and Vera uh, not only is it a great song, but the additional accompaniment of the keyboard is awesome. Yeah, Neil is great, obviously. Love playing with Neil Perlman. He's the piano player on the track. Super creative, great musician, great player, full of great ideas. Yeah, I brought him in for a couple tracks. And, and yeah, Weezy and Vera, we really get to, you know, he gets to play a little bit, play some solos and, and such and all that stuff. Yeah, really fun to play with Neil. And is that a Rhodes? Yeah, it is. And what made you uh, what made you decide to to add that as a backing? That's a, a very unique instrument to add to this to this duo. Yeah, totally. Um, 
it just kind of felt like you know there's the other the last track in the album uh trains and fins has keyboard or uh you know piano like a real piano sound on it just sounds like a grand and so i guess one of the things that makes me think about rose for wheezy and vera is that the second tune is a jig which is in sort of six eight and then nine eight time the thing with jigs is that they're actually awfully close to like a you know a, a shuffle like uh just a really groovy, funky shuffle. So I think that's probably where the Rhodes idea came from for me. And that's kind of one of Neil's, he's, he's really into that stuff and, and playing, playing great funk rhythm. And uh, yeah, got him to do it. Super percussive. Yeah, totally. I also, uh, the track, the Selkie of Soul Scary, am I saying that properly? Yeah. Dude, that is like an epic in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Traditional bass tune, but you kind of, you guys kind of kind of redid the music you were saying. Yeah, so the words are are traditional. The words are old. Um, it's this old story. Basically, in short, the story of the Selkie is is that you know there's a, this population of people who live in the sea uh, that when they're on land they're people, and when they're in the sea they're seals. Um, and sometimes. I'm not quite sure why, but they have to come on land and and entice a human uh, to be their to be their spouse. And if they don't do that, they will become ugly and old. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the gist of the story. And yeah, the, the words are old. The, to- the story's been around for a long time. And there are a couple of melodies out there that we that we looked at, but ultimately decided that you know, we could have a take on this and, and write our own melody for it. So we wrote this melody and there's, and, and I harmonized it in a couple different ways. Yeah. Kind of played around with the phrasing a little bit. There are some sort of odd phrase lengths. We were just kind of doing what felt natural for the, for the words too, kind of letting the lyric dictate the shape of the melody a little bit and, and crafting the melody around the words to fit fit that fit the story that's being told so when you pick a tune like that from from the time you pick it to the time you kind of work it up because again it's a really beautiful arrangement of music going on underneath the lyrics like even rhythmically oh thanks absolutely you know and it sounds very well thought out i mean i would assume this isn't something that you are sitting around you're like you know what we should do today we should record a version of this song (laughs) <laughs> it's been in the pipeline for a little while i guess we've been kind of thinking about that song for a while and how to do it we so i think if we if we go back to the recording process well first off i'm playing mandola on it i'm playing uh cross-tuned mandola down a whole step so there's that so that's kind of fun we're in the key of b flat minor playing b flat f b flat f on the mandola that's what I'm tuned to. 
Yeah, just sort of. Yeah, so we started with with just the mandola and the vocal, and and we recorded sort of like the 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 body of the song, like the form, so to speak. And then we kind of sat it sat there for a little bit, and we and we knew we wanted to add something to kind of flesh it out. But we kind of listened to it and thought about it a little bit. I guess the main elements are well. There's like a there's a bass, bowed bass. My friend Dan Klingsberg is playing, just kind of bowing the bass line, and then underneath that we have a synth, um, a synth part from Sam Kassir, great keyboard player, which is basically just doubling that bass line an octave down. So that's already like a, a big round bottom end that really just fills out that end of the frequency spectrum. It's huge when it comes in. Totally, yeah. It's it's really fun. And then we so we had I kind of improvised this solo so to speak in the middle which is sort of just me playing through a bunch of different chords working out some kind of form. And then I made everybody learn it. <laughs> on top of that, so we got the bass. On top of that, I have this. I guess this is where I talk about all the weird instruments that I have. It's it's a. I usually call it the instrument, but it's it's tuned C G D A E. It's five strings um, down in sort of the mandocello octave mandolin register, and it's sort of like a hollow body electric jazz guitar. So that's that's just a great voice for me to sort of write and play on. But I had that going through a bunch of delays and reverbs, and and that's some of the sort of the soundscapey ambiance that comes in around that solo. And Louise then overdubbed some fiddle parts that are that are almost more just sort of atmospheric and noise than than pitches. They're very cool. Uh, really help with the sort of direction and everything a lot. And then I guess the last element, uh, towards the end, we sort of wrote these string section parts. So, you know, recorded a bunch of bunch of times around the same fiddle or cello part and tried to sort of make our own orchestra, so to speak. And I think those are all of the individual elements of the song. It's so cool. I, I, I was just like blown away and and I listened to this whole album on headphones a couple times and it just just again the, the job you did with with recording and the mix is excellent you know it's it's great a great headphone listen thanks so much appreciate it yeah absolutely and the, the Shetland jigs how did you pick which jigs to put in that They're distinctive in that they're they're in cross cross A. There's not a lot of sort of alternate tunings in Scottish music or, or Irish music. 
but but I guess in Shetland there are a couple of tunes where um, you know like like a lot of old time tunes they're in cross A that you know there's sort of this whole thing with old time where you know everyone tunes to cross A fiddle will be tuned A E A E and everyone will play A tunes for a couple hours then you know you go to a different tuning for D and another tuning for G yeah it's not really a thing in in Celtic music but but every once in a while you do find them and so. So that's what ties those two specific tunes together is that they're both in cross A. Um, also both great tunes. And so, yeah, that was kind of our pick for some trad, trad stuff to put on there. There's a quote in the bio here, which this is, this is why I always love talking to you and always love checking out whatever it is you're doing. And, and she says in here, she says, Ethan always has really interesting musical ideas and takes things in directions I wouldn't think to go, which is to me exactly why I love your stuff. Like, I, I, you know, I think we talked a little bit or actually we talked a lot about songwriting when for Gambit, the interview we did. But, you know, right. was there any special processes you found yourself in the recording of this or any different things you did? She got a really a very thoughtful approach to songwriting, I believe. Um, hmm. I think that my tunes for this record got written over quite a long period of time. I didn't necessarily sit down with the intention of writing four tunes for this project. Um, it was it was just the tunes that that were that felt like they might have a home here, and and were kind of ready to go. It kind of just this this record, yeah. It, it, some records I I like going to really intentionally, and and work out you know all the material and work out every detail this record was like was very collaborative between me and louise so we were really always going back and forth about the material and and like kind of the nice set and what we kind of wanted to put forth on this yeah so just kind of finding sort of the right the right couple tunes of mine that would kind of work you know that was kind of the the mo with this record the first single, Silver Dollar, has a pretty sweet story behind it as well. I, I know Louise is not here to talk about it, but it, I thought maybe it'd be cool to ask you about it here real quick. their silver wedding anniversary their 25th wedding anniversary and I, I guess the story here is that Louise was the flower girl I guess at their wedding and and handed out mints as well at, at the you know at the party and, and the, uh, uh, Louise's aunt Kathy is, is from the states actually so there are some Americans over there for this wedding and, and they would uh, bribe her with with dollar bills <laughs> for more mints, <laughs> um, and so so you know we have the silver dollar here. We ended up with that. You guys should uh, make some mints up and charge a dollar at your shows for them. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you can use that story for it. I'm sure you could probably sell some. Totally, I like it, um, dude. Th- 
One of the things, another thing I love about your playing and why you are such a great player, I think is a, is an example in the song, Everything is Free, which is a Gillian Welch cover. And your solo on it, any aspiring mandolin player who wants to find a beautiful way to solo a song, you take the melody and you just make it beautiful during it. And I, I, I applaud you on that because you definitely have the ability to burn and shred all day long. And I think what makes you such a great player is a great example is that track. Why, thanks very much. That we're gonna do it anyway, even if it doesn't pay. That was a fun, fun track to work on. Yeah, I guess kind of the whole the whole thing with that song, especially in in that recording session in that setting, was sort of just to honor the the nature of the song itself. So that was at least what I thought should be played right at that moment. Uh, on that one too, did you use room mics? There's a part where that, like at the very beginning, it, it's almost like the <laughs> the mandolin. It sounds much further away, and then a, a little bit later, it, it you know it comes in full full volume. Yeah, <laughs> we actually so 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 we didn't actually capture the entire beginning of that take. So so that's so so we're using. I think there might have been one cut towards the very end, maybe just like the last chord or something. Or the last couple notes, but we had this one. You know, I, I started the, the my my recording gear was in another room to the session at that for that session. So I go and start the start the recording, and and Sadie Gustafson Zuck, who's singing lead on it, and was playing guitar. I had started playing, and and you know, it was kind of one of those things where it could have been a rehearsal but we didn't stop playing. <laughs> so, so I start the recording and then you can, you can hear me, you can hear like the floorboards creak as I walk around to the mandolin chair and, and I'm sort of playing a couple little noodly things as I walk over and <laughs> eventually sit down and, and start, <laughs> start the, you know, go, go into the song in full. But you know, that was, that was the take that had the most magic that really kind of got to what we felt we were trying to say trying to do with the song so oh well you know it's it's it doesn't doesn't bother me personally uh and and it it kind of yeah it did all the things we needed it to do i think it's awesome i i love hearing things like uh, there's uh, there's certain songs that you know like the they kept the track or the take because it was so good no matter what. And then that now hearing the story reminds me of that. It's just so cool that it's in there. It adds just the vibe, like, like, as you said, like the floorboards and then the mandolin in the background, it just makes it sound very, uh, live. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was live. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Any other things you want to mention just about the album in particular that you want to be sure we bring up? I love your questions. They're great. I I feel pretty good about what we've covered. 
Great. Well, then let me pick your brain just a little bit about what you've been working on. Is there any techniques that you've been working on? Anything in particular when you've been sitting down and current goals you have as a player? Because you are, again, such an accomplished player you've been for years. So I always would love to wonder like what you're working on, how you're approaching it. Yeah, totally. There always is stuff. Uh, right now, Right now, I'm kind of falling back into a writing phase. I kind of find that my my practice is sort of either focused on creativity, like writing writing new material and working on a project. Um, it's either sort of in that vein, or it's or it's really focused towards like technique and and working on maybe vocabulary or or what to play. I did I had a phase like that earlier this summer and and was working on sort of jazz and standards again playing over changes um i was sort of using this idea of superimposing different sort of basically superimposing chromatic harmony um or you know harmony just in you know in some way over uh, over um existing two fives things like if you're playing over you know d minor g7 to see what you could play instead is f minor um or or B minor to E seven and and you have these really different sounds <laughs> <laughs> that that take you to different places and and provide more ideas. So kind of like yeah, improvising chromatically a little more, trying to sort of expand the harmonic language a little bit. Yeah. Um, and along with that goes sort of chords and voicings as well. Trying to work on different ways of voicing chords and and bringing out color in chords. Um, especially on the octave mandolin, sort of like, yeah, playing, funnily enough, playing jazz and sort of comping on the octave mandolin is really interesting to me. Um, so that's kind of, maybe there's a solo record somewhere in that idea. Ooh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I've also been enthralled by by comping recently, The um, especially like Western swing comping and trying to figure yeah. ways. You know, we only have four strings on the old mandolin to uh, to work on that where they have six and have, you know, six notes to choose from. But I, I, I'm really trying to focus on like walking chords, you know, and different things like that. Yeah, totally. It's kind of the recent thing has been walking bass lines, trying to figure out how to how to play a walking bass line. Are you, are you, yeah, are you teaching a cheerleading class right now back there? <laughs> I'm sort of out in, in the park here. I love it. <laughs> I'm outside, yeah. I love it. going on. Yeah, no, that's I'm great. In, I'm in Harvard Square in, in Boston, so. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> sort of running around a little bit today, yeah. When you, um, when you're fleshing out tunes, let's say you've got a memo on your phone and that melody is suddenly grabbing you, what are some approaches you take to fleshing those out? Yeah, um, there's a couple different things. Uh, it'll 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 kind of run a whole gamut. Um, if if there's an A part, maybe I'll try to write a B part. It could be that I go back to the drawing board and the A part and and continue to work on sort of how how that feels. There's sort of this idea that I think about a lot that Mark Simos talks about. This um, great songwriter and tune writer teachers at Berkeley. I took a, a couple classes with him when I was at Berkeley. But his his whole kind of way of thinking about the structure of fiddle tunes, basically you would assign each unique bar a letter name. So like Whiskey Before Breakfast, the first bar would be labeled A, the second bar would be labeled B, the third bar would be labeled C, and then D. And then, you know, 
you're back to the first phrase. Da -da 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 -da. So that's A again. Then you would have B, C, and then the last bar of the A part is different. So you'd have E. So you can kind of see these patterns in in fiddle tunes and and work with those to sort of create your own thing. So I'm I'm often thinking about that when I'm writing sort of more fiddle tunes these days. Um, how to like sort of work with the structures in in creative ways. Wow, that's that's a really cool idea. I've never heard that idea. It's great. It's it's a really interesting way of looking at looking at fiddle tunes. What's some other stuff that you're listening to currently? Anything anything been on the turntable or the phone or what however your choice of listening currently? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um it's been a good listening month actually. Yeah. I just uh, so Hildeland is actually going to Celtic Connections in January, um this great festival in Glasgow, Scotland. We've got a gig there later in January. And we're on this co-bill with somebody named Juliette Lemoyne and then somebody else. What's her name? Well, it's a co-bill anyway. And, and one, of the, one of the musicians is a cellist named Juliette Lemoyne. And, you know, I, I sort of, I, I went to listen to these people to see like, you know, okay, who's, you know, who's, who we're on the bill with? I didn't recognize the names. And I, I went to listen to Juliette Lemoyne's record and I was completely astounded, completely floored. She's this great cellist, obviously has all the sort of cello chops, can play uh, uh, tunes great and can also play very high and very in tune. But the, the writing on this record is incredible. It's sort of this interesting instrumentation of cello, fiddle, piano, and tenor saxophone. So she's really using all these different textures to, to create something that that I have never actually, you know, never really heard anything quite like it. The harmonic language is really interesting, and, and she's, she's sort of taking, you know, fiddle tune language and subverting it in a really, really amazing way. So that's been my, my recent obsession. It's called Arising, oh, uh, I, is the record name. I can't wait to check it out. It's so great. It's so amazing. I had a weather report phase earlier this month. You know, Jaco Pistorius, some of the records that he's on of weather reports. Yeah, so little, some Pat Metheny kind of along the same vein, sort of 80s fusion music. Yeah, that's kind of what's been in rotation recently. Nice. Did you read uh, Jaco's book by chance? I haven't read it, no. It's really interesting. I would definitely highly cool. recommend it. It's pretty, pretty wild. They had pretty tragic character, but uh, totally. yeah, I, th I think it's a really good read if you like reading books about uh, musicians. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, Ethan, I think we've, this being our third time, we've, we've covered so much stuff. Uh, it seems sure like it's have. been short, but I think the important thing is talking about just, yeah, I love this album. Uh, it's, it, I'm always excited to hear what you're doing. Uh, you just you think differently than a lot of a lot of <laughs> musicians that you know that I that I love to listen to and I you know I mean that right. as a compliment to all the musicians I talk to you know you just you have a very cool unique way and and, and I you remind me of Daryl Anger in a way you know I never know what to expect <laughs> when 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 you put something new out and I love it oh thanks it's it's always different I, I like a lot of different music and so that that kind of comes through you know, one other question, I guess, real quick. Speaking of that, I've, I've gone through this phase of like, really been, I've been kind of laid up for the last week. And so I just started listening to them. Like, what are some old instrumental tunes, not Monroe, 
that I uh-huh. love, you know, and I've just kind of been reacquainting myself and, and, you know, re, you know, like the last time I really listened to say Rebecca and played along with the Herschel Sizemore, I realized the giant difference in the way I play it now compared to the original. I'm like, I need to go back to the drawing board and just work on that original again. You know, I <laughs> got, got lazier and in some spots, I think, you know, and, but what's, uh, if you were to go back right now and just listen to you in, uh, an album that you used to listen to a bunch when you were younger, what's one that you would listen to mandolin based mm, yeah well actually i i yeah, this is a good question i i haven't one album that's been on my mind is is um matt flinner's the view from here oh yeah um which has crossed my mind i don't know i i actually so so the secret you know this the secret next project that's probably a ways down the line is is an album of mandolin duets a uh, bunch of tunes that i've written some trad tunes but I just recorded the first, you know, tune of mine with Matt Flinner the other day. Oh, so you know, we I wrote this tune and and we went and sat in his attic, <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of arranged it, went back and forth on a couple ideas, and which was really just fascinating to kind of hear his, you know, his process on how he arranges stuff. We kept it really collaborative, which was really fun. So yeah, kind of that that experience has got me thinking back to sort of you know tunes like Redshift and, and Black's Fork. So I think I think that record might be near, you know, in my future soon. Oh, that's exciting. I um I don't want to spill the beans yet because I still have one more um, recording session to do before my project is completely wrapped up. But I will say as a teaser, I also just recorded a track with Matt Flinner. And you telling me that you recorded it in his attic is awesome because like when I think of Matt, I think of Vermont. And when right. he um, got to the, we shared a hotel room that night and he got in really late and he got in really late because he was finishing making syrup. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. That was just amazing. I'm like, I love this guy. <laughs> totally. That's great. That's the best. Well, cool, Ethan. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast once again. Congratulations totally. on another amazing project. And uh, Thanks very much. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Maybe I'll just mention some tour dates real quick. Oh yes, please do. Yeah, I got got some got some shows coming up with the new music uh, this month. Actually, November. Uh, seeing how current we are, we're we're in Bodenham, Maine, uh, next Friday, the tenth, at a at sort of a house concert or sort of a revised house concert happening in a, an old Grange Hall in Bodenham. And then we're at the Bangor Celtic Crossroads up in Brewer, Maine, technically near near Bangor on the 11th which is a saturday and then we've got a couple shows in the midwest too um we're playing at the robin theater in lansing michigan on november 21st i believe it's a tuesday and then we've got a show in my hometown of goshen indiana along with sadie who you know was um singing everything is free now on the record yeah so so she'll be on the bill we're doing that on the 25th uh, sort of a post thanksgiving thing we've done it this is this will be the second year we've done a post Thanksgiving show, so we're going to make it a tradition, you know. Perfect. Well, I love it, man. Well, congrats again, Ethan, and uh, thank you for doing the thank podcast, you. buddy. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Always appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much to Ethan for doing the podcast. Again, today is November 3rd. If you're listening to the day this album was released, it is Bandcamp Friday, so everything you buy on Bandcamp, all the money goes directly to the artist. If it isn't Bandcamp Friday, still go out and buy this brand new album that Ethan's got together, Hildeland. It's fantastic. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody.